Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Executive services can provide your company with chief financial officer services, including tax return preparation. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. China is calling for open peace talks and a ceasefire in the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. It came in a 12-point plan issued by the Chinese Foreign Ministry on Friday morning local time. The department noted it's ready to assist in post-conflict resolution. A massive winter storm is causing more issues in parts of the country. People from California to the northeast have dealt with heavy snow blizzard conditions and significant ice in recent days. The National Weather Service says areas in the Midwest and Northeast could see as many as 18 inches of snow. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is calling for stricter freight rail regulations. We need to raise the bar on what's expected and on what's required, but I think the railroad industry should be doing more out of the gate. While visiting the site of the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, Buttigieg says rail companies need to face higher fines and be required to practice higher standards of safety. He called on Congress to act to hold freight companies accountable for their safety record and urged rail operators to stop fighting federal agencies tooth and nail on the rules. Prosecutors are trying to get former Vice President Pence to agree to testify in the investigation into former President Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Lisa Taylor has more. Federal prosecutors are asking a judge to try to get Pence to comply with a grand jury subpoena in the criminal probe. CBS News reports it came after Trump's attorneys used executive privilege over Pence's subpoena in court. Meanwhile, the New York Times reported earlier this week that the special counsel overseeing the investigation got subpoenas for testimony from Trump's daughter, Ivanka, and her husband, Jared Kushner. I'm Lisa Taylor. The total value of U.S. homes fell by nearly 5% in the second half of last year. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. She was the most unusual girl I'd met. She stole my heart and she took my breath. She had the certain ways I didn't understand and when I made my move to execute my plan she was leading me like a lamb to a slaughter you don't mess around with Superman's daughter Superman's daughter got a loose and killed she got an x-ray eye she got a heart of steel when she fell in love and 
hard to hold. She is one minute hot, she is one minute cold. But it's too late, Clark, for me to turn back now. She's got me hard over mine, and I'm a wondering how. She could do anything, she's walking on water. The girl must be Superman's daughter. Superman's daughter got a look that kills. She got an X-ray eye, she got a heart of steel. When she fell in love, I never would have caught her. Superman's daughter. Superman's daughter got looks that kill. She got an X-ray eye. She got a heart of steel. When she fell in love, I never would have caught her. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure pau de arco Tahibo Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea can be tremendously beneficial for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T, and then the word club. The complete website is TeheboTeaClub.com. Or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's 818-610-8088. My name is Daniel Rudbari. I'm an attorney. I represent tenants against landlords. So if your landlord is making you live in substandard living conditions, bug infestation, cockroaches, rodents, mold, mildew, broken windows, lack of security, flooding, call me. You have rights. You can reach me at 877 877- Three eight four nine nine one one. Again, I'm attorney Daniel Rudbari, and I represent tenants against landlords that refuse to make repairs and force tenants to live in substandard living conditions. So if you think you're living in a substandard living condition, call me, 877-384-9911. The call is free. It's a toll-free number, 877-384-9911, and the advice is free. It's that time of year again. No, not the holidays. Medicare open enrollment. And if you have questions about Medicare, you should talk to the local experts. Paul Barrich and Associate. Paul and his agents are certified with plans that are accepted by most of the medical groups in our area. Call 909-793-0385. Their services are free. And after 41 years in the business, their agents are trained to help you pick the plan that's right for you. 
This segment is sponsored by PressPrint, Southern California's best full-service union printer and mail house. They offer the lowest prices around with unmatched service and reliability and free delivery throughout SoCal. PressPrint can print anything from letterhead, business cards, and campaign literature to mailers of any size, lawn signs, banners, door hangers, or just about anything you might want. PressPrint promises to save money for you, your business, or your campaign. If you'd like to learn more, contact Mike Krumbrin at PressPrint, 714-399-8708. When we eat, we are not just eating for the me. We are also feeding the 100 million microorganisms that live in the me. And that leads us to ask, do our microorganisms have a vote? Welcome to the award-winning Food Chain Radio Show with your host, Michael Olson. And now, get ready for one hour of What's Eating What Radio. Well, hello out there. I am Michael Olson, your host for this hour of What's Eating What. Today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting subject, and I hope you tune in. You know, it's not just us that live in our body. In fact, there are 100 million others that also live in our body. Wow, that's a a population greater than most countries in the world. But as the 100 million microorganisms that we carry around with us are very small and do not have much of a voice, we mostly just ignore them and go about our business without giving them the least bit of concern. On the other hand, that there are 100 million of them is a good indication that their lack of size might not indicate that they have a lack of stature. And so when we come to the realization that the me is really the we, all kinds of interesting questions pop to the attention and just beg to be answered. And so today we are going to beg for some answers from Andy Dyer, who is a professor of biology at the University of South Carolina and the author of Eater's Digest. Welcome back to the food chain, Andy. Ah, it's good to be back. I have to correct you on one thing, Michael. Oh, good, good. Fire away. A hundred trillion rather than a hundred million. <laughs> okay. Plus or minus, plus or minus several trillion. Well, a hundred trillion. So how do you count that high anyway? There, there is no way to do it, actually. It's an estimate based on sampling. So um, it comes from a way back when someone said, well, there's a lot of bacteria. I wonder how many. And they sort of did some sampling around the inside of the colon and said, well, based on that, we'll just extrapolate to the size of the colon. And it's yeah. somewhere in this neighborhood. Good. Yeah, t- take a city block and count the people on it and estimate yeah. the rest of the, of the city from that. From there. You right. know, it's been five years since we last touched base. And when we did, we were talking about uh, uh, chasing the Red Queen. Yeah. Now... I would before we run off in another direction. I would love to have you give us a thumbnail of how you use Lewis Carroll's "Chasing the Red Queen" to instruct your students. Well, I think that the the uh, sort of allegorical aspect of chasing the Red Queen just applies to so many things in our life. But the basic idea is that um, if you're you you can't just rest on your laurels. Um, Once you've achieved something, you have to keep on pushing forward or the rest of the world will catch up with you and maybe even pass you by. 
so the idea is that you've got to keep running if you're going to stay in the same place. And if you want to get somewhere else, you're going to have to run faster. So um, this is, applies to, and I use a lot of analogies, but it applies in a lot of ways to life. If you think of a, a business who's doing really well and everyone looks at that business and says, that's a great idea. Let's get into that business too. Well, um, everybody who's in that business is now competing and, and the worst competitor is not going to last very long. So everyone's going to have to step up their game if they're going to stay in that business. Mm-hmm. And ecology is much the same way. Um, as a predator gets stronger, the prey better learn how to avoid them. And as the prey learn how to avoid them, the predator better figure out some tricks to keep eating. Kind of reminiscent of Satchel Page, who was a famous pitcher, lived a long time, pitched a long time, and once famously said, don't look back because you never know what's catching up on you. <laughs> <laughs> so... You've changed the direction a little bit, but you do still teach ecology, and you have young students, and I would suspect your analogies are something that can keep them awake uh, during class. Am I wrong? Well, the whole idea is to try to make these sort of conceptual things more relevant to everyday life. So if I can find something sort of equivalent that they can relate to, then it helps them remember the concept I'm trying to teach them. So I think it's important, uh, rather than just throwing a lot of jargon at them and these abstract concepts that they don't that don't really connect with them particularly. Um, I know that the the minute we take a test, they'll do a memory dump and never think about it again. <laughs> but it, but if I can relate it to something that they do, then there's always that. Hey, we talked about this. I know oh. some. This. I have that story. I have the, a story to think about and puzzle as I go about my day. No. You know, four years, five years uh, since we talked, it seems like the whole world has changed uh, upside down and inside out. But, you know, when we last talked uh, about resistance and whatnot, I don't think we had a single thought or brought up the subject of our microbiome. And now the microbiome is really becoming a focal point of the of our attention with respect to our body, our health, and everything. When did we start when did this really bubble up to the surface, this concept of the microbiome? Um, for me, it uh, was less than ten years ago. Um, I had a student who was very interested in it, and he started using words like dysbiosis, and I said, what what do you mean?" And it turns out that dysbiosis is a new word that is specific to a microbiome that's out of balance. And if you look up in Wikipedia, you'll see there's a gigantic ent- uh, entry there on dysbiosis. And, and I'm willing to bet that 99% of the people you talk to have no idea what that word means or what it relates to. And yet there it is. It's, it's got this gigantic description. It's very specific in what it's about. And... And so this, this is brand new stuff. Um, and we're finding out that the microbiome in the human body is literally connected to every part of our functioning. Uh, it, big in some ways, small in other ways, but nonetheless all connected like a giant spider web. And so even though we haven't heard of it, maybe until recently when we see a yogurt ad on TV or something that's advertising a probiotic yogurt, 
um, it's going to become more and more part of our regular conversation, I think, in the coming years. A hundred? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Trillion organisms. We carry inside of us and outside of us. Yeah, it weighs about two and a half pounds. I mean, we got two and a half pounds of bacteria in our, in our body. Wow. So, uh, in thinking about how to approach this, I came up with a question: do, Does do they have a vote? Um, it's a quiet vote, but they have a very powerful vote. Um, the whole concept of dysbiosis is what goes wrong with our body when our bacteria are not in proper balance, and the answer is all kinds of things go out of balance. Um, and ultimately, it starts with the food we eat. Uh, we are not eating a good diet. We are going to be faced with um, a microbiome imbalance. And that's only going to be made worse by, who knows, trauma, illness, um, uh, infections, uh, um, any number of other things, past experiences in our lives um, that complicate this sort of thing. Um, and we're seeing a huge number of what we would think of as new diseases that have propped up that have probably been around, but they weren't all that common. But now we're seeing them becoming more and more and more common. And in fact, the consensus is that they are linked to an imbalance in our microbiome. Now, when we eat, we are satisfying our hunger. But when we say our hunger, we're not really taking into, into account our microbiome. We're talking about ourselves. And so as we come to grips with the fact that there are two and a half pounds of living critters in us and on us, uh, should we not start thinking about how, how to feed them as well? That's a good question. Um, we... we it's funny. As humans, we think of ourselves as being very individualistic. Um, but if we start to think of ourselves as an individual with this gigantic community of living things that absolutely depends on us for its well-being... We're like a city walking down the street. We are. Uh, or, more, or even, you might think of us as sort of a, an inside-out planet. Um, we've got this gigantic population of organisms and we are the sort of mobile unit that moves them around through the larger environment and they depend on us we feed them and if we don't feed them then they get kind of unhappy with us um, but they only eat one kind of food and it's a very specific kind of food uh, the bacteria in our gut eat plants and that's all they eat and the reason that's all they eat is because that's all we feed them I mean when we eat our food, the food that runs our bodies, we're just talking about carbs and proteins and fats. Um, and we don't, you know, we eat plants, but the plants sort of move through us. <laughs> we don't get a lot out of the plants, per se. 
Um, but that ends up being the food for them. And so it's important for us to remember that if we're going to have a healthy microbiome, the food that they get is not the food for us. They never get the carbs, fats, and proteins that we eat because we absorb all of that. They get what we can't digest, which is plant material. And that is, in fact, what the focus of the um, the the sort of the circus of bacteria in our in our colon is really all about. Wow. So let's go back a little bit and say, what the heck is the microbiome? Well, when we were born, we didn't have a microbiome. We didn't have any bacteria. The general feeling is that a, a baby, when it's first born, is sterile. And but. And, and the, how the baby accumulates a microbiome is really kind of fascinating because it turns out that a woman goes into labor, she has cells in her body that move bacteria from her colon to the birth canal, a very particular kind of bacteria that creates an environment there, um, one, that keeps other bacteria out, but two, provides an opportunity to latch onto the baby as it comes through. So kind of like painting the baby. Yeah, kind of like that, definitely. There's a, the baby is awash in um, this embryonic fluid, and that embryonic fluid is carrying all of this other bacteria with it down the birth canal. So the, the mom's body is actually doing that on purpose because those bacteria are the first bacteria that enter into the baby's body, and they are instrumental in initiating the digestive uh, process in the baby. That is, this is a, a little person who's never had solid food, never had liquid food, never had any kind of food through its mouth, and when it does, it needs to be ready for it, and having something that can handle mother's milk, um, lact lactose sugars, for instance, um, it's going to be important for digestion. And the other thing the mother does is, in the body, the, those, uh, those carrier cells are moving bacteria to mammary glands, and mother's milk is loaded with bacteria. Holy smokes. It's not sterile. Um, um, and so mom Hold, hold giving, that thought, Andy. We're just going to have to take a very quick break. Okay. But this is going to take us to a very fascinating place, given what is ha happening in the United States with respect to formula. Yeah. Yeah, this is the Food yep. Chain Radio program. Michael Olson, your host for this hour of What's Eating What, with Andy Dyer, professor of biology, University of South Carolina, and the author of Eater's Digest. Today we're talking about how important it is to eat for ourselves and the 100 trillion organisms that we carry around with us. Right back. And now, more of What's Eating What on the Food Chain with Michael Olson. Yes, we are back, and we are talking about how mothers confer microorganisms, I guess, to their babies, and how those microorganisms become part of that little baby's human environment. And as that baby grows, I suspect that uh, population of, of microorganisms grows as well. Andy? Absolutely true. Um, the initial set, I guess, the little subset of bacteria that mom gives a baby is really important for digesting breast milk, which is helpful because the baby has no other... Well, 
you you could even think that if until the baby's sort of digestive system gets turned on, uh, something else has to do the digesting for the baby. So and, and that will happen soon enough. And then over the course of you know uh, being exposed to parents and siblings and a well, environment of the home and and then later solid food, the baby starts to accumulate more and more bacteria uh, in the colon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it comes from. We we are born without it, and we accumulate it as we move through life, and we are still accumulating it even into old age, and it changes over time. So backing up a little bit to the mother and the breast milk, it is the mother's breast milk that confers a lot of the bacteria to, uh, to the baby as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, the most important first bacteria, yeah. Right. It helps the baby get on its way. What happens to the one-third of the population that uh, does not breastfeed the babies? What happens to the babies when you do not get that um, magic uh, microorganisms uh, from the mother's milk? Well, they're going to get them eventually because um, mom's microbiome, her breast microbiome, is is just one small part of her gut microbiome. And so... um, it's certainly in the environment. Bacteria are so, so tiny. They float in the air. They're so tiny that they can be literally everywhere, as we know, and we're, we're all obsessed with being clean. But we really can't get away from our own <laughs> microbiome. It's, it's on us. It's in us. It's, it's around us. It's in our clothes. It's with us. Well, take us around the body. Don't get inoculated. Take us around the body, and, and let's, talk, let's talk about that microbiome. Let's start with the skin because it's what we all see. Are there any microorganisms uh, on our skin? There are literally hundreds of different kinds, and a lot of fungi, too, not just bacteria, but fungi as well. And they are, well, it's, I don't know if we can say they're normal inhabitants, but they're common inhabitants quite often. There are plenty of funguses we know about, like athlete's foot and, you know, things like that. Well, okay, those are inhabitants on the external human body and they're not dangerous they may be unpleasant to some Um, but your skin is has got lots and lots of activity on it especially in places like your armpits and your crotch and your back of your knee and your feet nice warm moist places where little microorganisms can thrive Um, there's no real evidence that they do good or bad things other than occasionally causing some discomfort um there's no real evidence that the microbiome on our skin is necessary but again we know so little about it we can't mm-hmm. say and so they're there yeah we can scrub all we want but <laughs> they're still going to be there um what about the mouth uh the mouth is a lively place <laughs> for in many, in many respects <laughs> The man who uh, was credited with uh, uh, introducing microscopes to our world, uh, Antoine van Leeuwenhoek, um, he studied his mouth intensively and uh, frequently and found all kinds of things going on that you just couldn't get away with. And he studied other people's mouths and found that they had more and different things. And there are something like 800 different species of organisms that have been identified from the human mouth. (laughs) Um, most of them are just, you know, they're just there. They're 800 really... different species? 
Yeah, not all in one mouth, of course, but, yeah. it, you know, just the, the total list. But, um, yeah, and some are oxygen-loving, and some uh, exist in the more oxygen-depleted areas, and some are out in the open, and some are hiding. Um, they're, just, they're just there. They're, they're n- normal. They're not doing anything necessarily bad to us. Um, they may be involved in things like gingivitis or or caries, but um, there's not a lot of evidence on on those sorts of things. Um, and then there's some in there, like uh, little amoebas and whatnot, that are hunting down the bacteria and eating them. So we've got a whole little ecosystem going on in there. Wow. A whole Amazon jungle, as it were, inside yeah. of our mouths. Highly diverse. Uh-huh. And uh, then let's go to the big place, which, of course, is the digestive tract. Most of the digestive tract does not have bacteria in it. So the esophagus, the stomach, the small intestine, pretty much bacteria-free. And, and why is got, that? Well, that's where we absorb our food, um, among other things. But also... The digestive tract tends to have oxygen in it, and oxygen-loving bacterial species can quite often be dangerous. We've got a lot of uh, white blood cells roaming around in those places, sort of looking after it and cleaning up the debris. So um, they make an attempt to keep our upper digestive tract fairly clean. Um, So our stomach, essentially nothing uh, except for a little bug called H. pylori that is a resident in a lot of people's stomachs. Um, and our small intestine, pretty much no bacteria except what might spill back, a little backwash from the large intestine. There's a, there's a lot of acids in, yes. in the digestive system, are there not? And does that have an impact on the you know colonies of, ba- of microorganisms? It does. It's a pretty hostile place for most microorganisms, but as soon as our food enters into the, the small intestine, we start secreting uh, enzymes, bile, for instance, that help neutralize the acids and bring the pH back down to a more or less uh, neutral zone. Um, and that certainly makes the, uh, that environment a little bit more inhabitable. And plus, there's a lot of food in there. We, we, that's where our food is getting digested and broken down. And absorbed, um, and so. And you was, and you talk about it being our food, which is I do, I do. Which um, is which is the uh, fats and, and the and the proteins and the carbohydrates, right? Right. These are what I refer to as metabolic food. We eat that food to to fuel the furnace and to keep our bodies going. Um, that food doesn't, it's easy to digest. We are really good at digesting those foods. We can digest them in a matter of, um, well, it's estimated that the amount of time it takes to move through the 20, foot or, 20 feet or so of the small intestine is about 90 minutes. We do it fast. Mm-hmm. We can really break that stuff down. That we are so good at that, does that describe why we get fat? Certainly if we eat a... <clears throat> What they refer now to as sort of a concentrated calorie diet, which is what we are eating because it's so enriched in fats. Um, and we are eating less and less plant material, which tends to dilute the caloric content. 
Waiting bread and meat and Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fats and things that are just rich in, in calories. And we're super good at digesting that stuff. We can do it very quickly. And yes, the consequence is that we absorb all of those readily available calories. Mm-hmm. So then what is not used by us continues on down the line and goes through this gate that you talked about what is the gate um well <laughs> it's that it's that um that gate between the small intestine and the large intestine so here we have the small intestine where lots of digestion of of these organic compounds is going on and we're absorbing them really fast and it's a fairly microbe free area and then we go through the valve the ileocecal valve into the colon and everything slows down it's warm there's no oxygen um, and everything moves slowly in there and it's odd to think about that this food of ours races through our small intestine and then hits the large intestine and slams on the brakes and instead of taking an hour and a half to move 20 feet it's now going to take about 24 hours to move the next five feet and that's not an accident. We have a large intestine that is specifically designed for bacteria to engage in fermentation, which is the breakdown of really complicated plant material molecules. And that's what—that's the gate. I mean, is that 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 gate keeps um, the contents of the large colon separated from the from the mm-hmm. uh, small from the small intestine and creates that environment, uh, an oxygen-free, warm and wet, slow-moving environment where bacteria can thrive. And in that environment, we have a few microorganisms then, correct? A few thousand, yeah. No, a, few, a few thousand, we've got in a our, few in thousand our, species? In, our, in the American gut, there was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand species. In the gut of someone who's more traditional, say, more rural, from maybe a more traditional society that eats primarily plant materials, uh, they they have very few refined foods, they may have more on the order of 1,500 species. The American gut is more or less depleted, in fact, because we eat food that just doesn't support as many species. And we do some other damaging things to our microbiome along the way that knock Antibiotics? Out. Antibiotics would be the number one. Uh, um, I'm going to refer to it as a trauma. It's an attack on the microbiome. Um, and that Kind of like reduced, napalm. Well, uh, when you think about um, trying to shoot, uh, say, a target that's got a bullseye on it, and you're not sure about how well your gun is particularly aiming, and you go, well, I'm not going to shoot that gun. I'm going to shoot a shotgun, so I'll get it. That's our approach toward dealing with bacteria in general. 
we use a shotgun approach. We may not, uh, we, we know we're going to get the target. We may get a lot of things beside the target, but we know we'll get the target. Mm-hmm. So antibiotics being one of the most dangerous things we do to our microbiome, uh, the food we eat being another one, because when we only eat cheeseburgers and french fries and soft drinks, um, you don't need a lot of, of species of microorganisms uh, to handle that, um, because there's no fiber in it, is there? No, there's, there is, in some diets, there's literally none, um, or it's so, so tiny that it's hard to, it hardly counts. Um, you can't, you can't keep a thousand species of bacteria alive on on processed wheat, um, a hamburger bun, um, and a, a leaf of lettuce. It, it's just not enough fiber. We need to be eating uh, instead of ounces a week or grams a week of fiber. We need to be eating pounds a week, um, literally. Wow. Uh, um, right. So. You know, I don't think it's any accident that historically, when you sat down to a fine dinner, the first thing that was set before you was salad. You should be eating the plants first, not the meat. The meat comes later. Eat the plants first. You know, it may not be an accident that our ancestors were pretty smart about what the correct order of foods to eat was. First eat for the microbiome, then eat for the body. Hmm. You know, it's very interesting because um, one of the most heavily advertised food supplements these days are pills that at one time were vegetative matter (laughs) and have since been um, reduced to a pill. They take all the fiber out of it, I guess, uh, and um, leave the color and and, uh, some of whatever they consider to be the essence of it uh, on the principle that nobody has time to eat the food that they need to eat. So here is this pill that uh, once was fruit or once was vegetables, but uh, now no longer has any of the fiber in it. So it seems like we're kind of heading in the wrong direction. Well, the the way we're making food these days um, is, in my opinion, definitely the wrong direction. And I touched on that in the in the book we talked about before, Chasing the Red Queen, but the industrialized process that we've created to make food is reducing the amount of um, high-quality nutrients. Uh, it's diluting the nutrient content. <clears throat> we can, we can eat, we're eating more of less. Yeah, we're getting less in what we do eat, and when we eat more, we're almost compensating for the lack of nutrients that are in the food we're eating. But, that, but because we've up to the calorie content, we're eating more calories. And there we are again, back in the good old fat cycle. So, um, we're going to take a quick break here coming up. Uh, but when we come back, Andy, I would like to ch- for you to tell us what happens when we don't treat this microbiome uh, in, our, in our digestive system with respect and feed it what it needs to be fed because obviously we're not feeding it what it needs to be fed and um, it seems like we're finding ourselves in a number of different troubles with respect to our body some of them have relate to the body some to the mind 
and I suspect some to the Spirit as well. Uh, but we obviously are living on, on food that uh, are not foods that are not respectful uh, and needed by the microbiome. The hundred trillion little critters who live with us and in us and on us. Um, so what happens when we are disrespectful of them? This is the Food Chain Radio Program. Michael Olson, your host for this hour of What's Eating What. Today we're talking with Andy Dyer, who is a professor of biology at the University of South Carolina and the author of Eater's Digest, which is an incredible tour de force of what we should be eating and how we should be thinking about what we eat. Eater's Digest, for those of you out there who happen to eat food, not a bad way to spend some time. We will be right back. We're on the farm with Joel Salatin. Would you like to buy homemade soup, backyard chicken, and the neighbor's artisanal lunch meat? The Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund protects your right to acquire the food of your choice from the source of your choice. I'm Joel Salatin from Polyface Farm, and I urge you to defend the right of neighbors to engage in direct food commerce. Join today at farmtoconsumer.org. The food of your choice from the source of your choice. That's farmtoconsumer.org. Farmtoconsumer.org. Thank you. When you buy local American-grown flowers, flowers will grow and flourish in America. Hello, I'm Deborah Prinzing, author of Slow Flowers for Certified American-Grown Flowers. When you buy local flowers, you're helping our country's family farms reduce the transportation footprint of flowers and enjoy fresher, longer-lasting bouquets. So please, next time you shop for flowers, think local. Think Certified American-Grown Flowers. Visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org to learn more. Here's a little secret I'm telling you. Take a little pledge called the 2 by 2 Spend two bucks on local food each day and get two friends to do the same and play. Oh, they'll spend their money and when they're through, they'll get two friends and do it too. There's a little secret I shared with you A simple pledge called the two by two You can do it, it don't cost much It's so easy it'll make you blush Pledge two local bucks each day Get two others to pledge and play You can earn a substantial income by farming for the city. All you need to do is take your crop to market and win the competition for the consumer dollars. There is a well-proven strategy for winning this competition. You will find it embedded in Metro Farm, the guide to growing in or near the city for the city. Herbal Connections, Maureen Rogers. I rate Metrofarm very high. All of the information is easy to understand and it reads really fast. You will get your money's worth out of Metrofarm. Egg Economist, Dr. John Wyson. Olson's Metro Farms enjoy competitive advantages which allow them to produce more crops per unit of higher quality at less cost than large-scale farms. Before you plant your seeds, pick up a copy of the Ben Franklin Book of the Year award-winning Metro Farm. Then plant your seeds and win the dollars. MetroFarm.com MetroFarm.com 
MetroFarm.com. So much to say, so little time to say it on the food chain with Michael Olson. Well, we do have a few minutes left to talk, and there's so much to be talking about with respect to the population of a hundred trillion microorganisms that live with us, in us, on us. Do, do they have a right? To, do they have a vote? Have you th- think about that? We carry them around with us always. From a, from the moment we slide down the chute and pull the ripcord, we carry these critters with us. Uh, that they're so small and and don't have a very loud voice, we ignore them, don't pay any attention to them. But what happens, Andy Dyer, when we don't pay attention to them, when we disrespect them, when we don't feed them what they need to be fed? Well, I think those are things we're finding out now. Um, we've been we've been in this process for some time, as you know, um, changing the way we make food, raise food, grow food um, for about 70, 75, going on 80 years now. And we're starting to see some really dangerous signs that we're on the wrong path when it comes to nutrition and what nutrition should mean to us. Um, We have always focused our diet on carbs, fats, and proteins. Sometimes carbs are bad, sometimes fats are bad. At one time, protein was bad. Um, But we're always talking about food for us, and we're not talking about food for them. And I think that if we want to get back on a pathway of healthy eating, we have to think more about them and less about us. I think that's the situation we're finding ourselves in now. And now with medical research finding that a lot of these interesting and strange diseases that we're seeing these days, there may be a strong link with the kind of food, the low quality, very processed Western diet that we've been eating may be responsible. What kind of problems are we talking about? Uh, There have been implications of everything from autism, ADHD, allergies, asthma, um, autoimmune diseases, the different diseases of the digestive system like IBS and celiac and Crohn's and gluten intolerance to even late onset diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. There are connections between the microbiome and our neurological system and our brain function. There are connections with uh, development of, of very young children, age one to age two in that neighborhood, in the development of their uh, nervous system. Um, the problem is we're looking at something that happens at, in connection with other potential problems, and we're not linking it up very clearly or cleanly to the microbiome and it's a difficult thing to do how do you how do you create this cause and effect relationship when when there are so many different variables mm-hmm. um, so for instance our use of antibiotics antibiotics are great antibiotics saved all of our lives at one time or another but should we use them frequently no we shouldn't we should use them only as needed but also we tend to overuse them just to be on the safe side 
And it's going to turn out, I strongly suspect, that we've been making a very serious mistake using them without strong consideration of what else they might be doing in our body. It's, so it's it, that sort of thing. We And there's also the element of time. Um, because yeah, it's a very tough element. Because the things that you of which you speak happen over extended periods of time. Uh, they don't just happen. It's not like chopping your finger off or something. You know, it's we're talking time here, and so it's easy to ignore those kinds of things. But as you speak, and and you talk about uh, our food, it seems like everything we're doing all the way up and down the food chain, from the moment we're born uh, to the moment we check out is wrong. The way we, the way we're preparing our food um, barely serves us and is not serving our microbiome at all. Increasingly, increasingly, yeah. I think a, a good indication of what you're referring to is how many times you look at a processed food at the store and it says enriched on the back. So enriched white wheat, enriched corn, enriched, you know, these different things. Uh, when we want fiber in something, we have to add the fiber back in because it's not there anymore. So what I see in processed food is that we are constantly adding things in because we've been either completely removing them or we've been diluting them to such an extent that that food no longer really has that component anymore. Um, on any kind of processed food, I think you'll see that. So it's sort of like this out of control, you know, the runaway train problem. We started on this pathway and we thought, well, this is a good pathway. Let's continue this. And But we've, we've sort of lost sight of where we came from in an effort to get somewhere we think we ought to be going. And, and I, I think we're now experiencing some difficulties and we're not quite sure where along that pathway those difficulties came in. And I think it's what you're referring to. It's this time component. It took a while. We didn't believe that smoking cigarettes caused lung cancer for a long time, and then we sort of waffled on it and debated it and waited, waited, waited for really strong evidence. I think, uh, I think the evidence is in on that. Well, we haven't quite gotten there yet with the microbiome, but it's coming. So if the mistreatment of our microbiome is um, part of the of all of these problems that we've been talking about what on earth could a drug do to address that oh I don't know if there's any drug that can address that the microbiome is, is the opposite of drugs um, microbiome is living in a way that focuses on natural processes. And I think what we're, we're going to realize is that our, our attraction to solutions like drugs only interferes with that. It makes it worse, not better. Um, there are some examples in, in the medical world these days where if you keep adding drugs, it just makes it worse. Um, and antibiotics are a good example of that. So there, this is not a solution that's a, that's going to be solved. This is not a problem that's going to be solved with technological solutions. This is going to be a, a problem that has to be considered in light of what is normal and natural and part of our heritage, 
rather than what we can do technologically. So do you think the pharmaceutical industry is going to come knocking at your door at 2 in the morning for saying uh, what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> There's always going to be a need for uh, drugs that address emergencies, um, um, problems that, that need an immediate solution. But we should always then fall back to how do I get back to a situation where I don't need the drug? Right now, what the pharmaceutical industry is doing in our world is they're, they're providing solutions to us, but they are not providing a timeline for, for curing. So they're not curative at all. They are solving problems, not curing the problems. So if you think about all the drugs you see advertised on late night TV that have 50 side effects, if you're willing to put up with the side effects, which means that there's interference with all kinds of other processes in your body in order to deal with this one problem, well, then this is the drug for you. But it is not ever claiming to cure the problem. You will never get off of that drug because the problem hasn't been solved. And I think that's what we need to step back and think about. That how come our ancestors didn't have these problems, but we do? What are we doing differently? What are we doing wrong? How can we get back to a situation where we, we are... Now, I'm not going to say that 200 years ago we were super healthy. There were other things in our world that killed people. But when it comes to the food we ate, we were eating different food than we eat now. And it's very likely the food we're eating now are making it worse is making it worse yeah you know and you, you're talking about acquiring a community of bacteria when i was uh, a wee boy i spent my summers on the grandparents farm and um, milked cows out in the in the barn and everything there was fecal matter everywhere uh from cows from goats from horses from chickens uh, you know, you'd milk a cow and carry buckets full of milk <laughs> across the barnyard um, and pour it in a separator and, and drink it. Um, right out of the cow. Right out of the cow. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I must have acquired quite a, a, a population of critters in my body from, from being raised like that, whereas now we're raising children in an antiseptic, environment so keep away from those bugs and and uh, don't eat any good food so um seems like we're really headed in the wrong direction so now that we have you here what the heck is the right direction for us to take let's start with our our basic diet chicken beer (laughs) we're doing good uh we are surrounded by options um so much food, so much food around us all the time. And it's, we've literally made it so it's easier to go buy food than to cook our own food. Very few people really, really cook much um, because it's just too easy and it's cheap. It doesn't cost much money. You need to think seriously about that. If it costs that little money to make food, package it, ship it to the market and sell it to you, how much? How good could that food possibly be? Yeah, Michael Olson's third law of the food chain: cheap food isn't. Ain't. Yeah. <laughs> um, something's going on there to make food that cheap. The dollar menu at fast food restaurants—that's a—it's a gimmick. In order to sell something for a dollar, it has to have virtually nothing in it. I mean, other than fats, carbs, and, and protein, um, it doesn't have anything that we 
nutritionally speaking, uh, nothing in it we need. So in, in, in essence, there's, there's very little there for us and nothing there for the microbiome yep. of our body. Now, so if we understand that we have an ecosystem, a really big, diverse ecosystem living inside us, and it provides all these different services to us, some of which we haven't even figured out. No, most of which we haven't figured out. We know very little, but we know it's there. We know it works. And now we're finding out, oh, these are, this is really important to our health. And our health as we age, our health as when we're children, it's just all throughout our life. And we don't feed it? It doesn't make any sense. And how do we feed it? We eat plants. We eat the strongest tasting, chewiest plants. We eat fruit. We eat dried fruit. We eat nuts and seeds and, and anything we can get our hands on, but it's got to be plant-based. Everything else is just calories for our body. Energy, um, engine food. Yeah, and we need to run our body. Yeah. So, but, but I promise you, if you, uh, if you eat plants first, uh, you'll not starve to death. You'll get, you'll get the calories you need, but... If you don't eat plants first, there's a very good chance you won't eat plants, right? So if we start with the cheeseburger and then go, I'll have a salad when I'm done, you've got it backwards. So feed the microbiome first. So th- this is this yourself. is this is actually really simple. It's very simple. Which of course is the way the good Lord made it for us, because we're kind of stupid when it gets right down to it. If it was complicated, we'd be in really big trouble. Oh, it couldn't be any simpler. Just eat plants first. And it's as simple as that. And by eating plants, you're feeding the microbiome that um, controls, that has a vote in how you live your life. Well, it will let you know sooner or later. Yes, it will. It has a um, the eating plants first. Is, uh, I mean, it's got to be whole foods. So we've got a number of writers who've written about food, like Michael Pollan, who's wonderful, um, and even says eat eat food, eat things you recognize, eat whole food, eat plants, a lot of them. Um, focus on the plants. That's where we should be because. The, it's the part of the food that we can't digest that the microbiome gets, and that's fiber. That's cellulose. That's leaves and stems and all that stuff that's chewy. Um, we don't digest that. It just goes right through us. It's fiber. And you can eat fruit. You can eat vegetables. They're loaded with vitamins of various sorts. They're loaded with antioxidants, so they're good for us anyway. All of those other chemicals in the plants are doing wonderful things for us. It's not just the fiber. By eating plants, we're eating nutrition. We're, so we're feeding the microbiome, but we're also getting all those little micronutrients that our bodies crave that helps us operate efficiently and, and in a healthy way. And we're still going to get the calories. No one ever starved yeah. um, in our world. We don't starve. Although I will say that what we are doing is dying of malnutrition. We're not starving. We're just dying of malnutrition. Which makes a, a good eating. case for the fact that we are starving ourselves. Well, in a sense, yeah. I mean, we're not starving for lack of calories, oh, though. There you go. 
We're starving for lack of nutrients. Well, Andy Dyer, it's always so much fun. When, no, no more five years, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no more five years. Andy Dyer, who is a professor of biology at University of South Carolina and author of Eater's Digest, a new book just out, great read. I only wish I would have had you as a biology instructor when I was going to school. I might not have chased after Chinese literature then. (laughs) This has been the Food Chain, Michael Olson. Thank you all for tuning in. And please remember Michael Olson's third law of the food chain, cheap food isn't. You've been listening to the award-winning Food Chain Radio Show with Michael Olson. And if your friends miss the show, tell them to log on the Food Chain page at MetroFarm.com for a listen. Now, go out and find some food with its farmer's face on it and live. Open for takeout and delivery, El Tapioc Mexican Food Restaurant in the Tri-City Center of Redlands is back. Their entire family is on hand to serve up their delicious burritos, machaca, chorizo, huevos rancheros, steak and eggs, just part of their mouth-watering great food. Since 1531, people have marveled at the miracle of El Tapioc, and now you can marvel at the great food the Lugo family has been serving up for over two decades. Nestled quietly in the corner of the Tri-City Center shopping mall next to Burlington Coat Factory. Support them. They can't wait to serve you some of their delectable, authentic, south-of-the-border Mexican fare at great prices, served up with love. Support the area's best-loved Mexican food restaurant in these tough times. Order up a tasty meal on the phone for delivery or takeout, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call 909-307-0017. That's 909-307-0017. Or Google El Tapiac Redlands and treat yourself. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish, along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama in the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out... You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. This episode of...